0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, currently enrolled in a hopefully soon-to-be successful breeding program for Sasquatches, Tammy the Hairy Beast Underwood. Morning, Tam.
1: Morning. Again, <coughs> I cannot breathe. <coughs> no matter how hard you try. <coughs> but, anyways. Well,
0: we've tried horses and elephants and donkeys.
1: Ew, disgusting fucker.
0: Hey, I'm not the one sleeping with them. that's you.
1: <laughs> anyways. Now, um... Oh. Ow, my head itched. But anyways, we, we left off with, um, you know, everybody under the sun in West Memphis trying to um, frame Damien for
0: this murder, right? Frame, frame, frame. I Baby was framed.
1: Ruti Valens. So, um, now, Jesse Miskelly was brought to the West Memphis Police Department for questioning on June 3rd, 1993. His interrogation lasted hours, they gave him a lie detector test, and before it was over, they secured the police secured a confession from him for his part in the murders of the three boys. They named Jason Baldwin and Davian Eccles as his accomplices. Now, according to Jesse's defense attorney, Daniel Stidham. I know, right? Jesse claims that he and his friends were first approached by the police and offered a reward for information about the murders. Now, Jesse was later taken into West Memphis for question, despite the fact that they did not have a written waiver of his Miranda rights signed by his father. A legal requirement when police interview minors. Now, normally this breach of a minor's constitution rights would be sufficient to have his subsequent confession
0: quashed. I thought you had to be over 18 to be a minor. What? Yeah, like to mine for gold. Oh, you're or so dumb. Silver. I like,
1: under 18, you moron.
0: Wow, child labor um. laws have changed. <laughs> oh, you mean a minor, not a minor.
1: Yeah, I said minor, not minor.
0: Yeah, you mean a minor, not a minor. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyways, normally this breach of a minor's constitutional rights would be sufficient in getting his confession thrown out of court. But for some reason, in this case, Judge Burnett allowed it to be used. <laughs> So in his confession, Jesse claimed that Jason Baldwin called him early on the morning of May 5th. And during the course of that conversation, Jason asked Jesse to accompany him and Damien to the Robin Hood Hills area. Now, initially, Jesse stated that he had gone to the Robin Hood area at 9 a.m. that day to an area near a creek where he met up with Damien and Jason. They were actually in the Creek when the boys rode up on their bicycles. Now, Baldwin and Eccles had called to the boys who then came. And at this time, Baldwin and Eccles began to severely beat the boys. Jesse, claiming to be merely an observer, stated that at least two of the boys were raped and forced to perform oral sex on Baldwin and Eccles. While these events were occurring, James, Michael Moore, had attempted to escape, but Jesse caught him and returned him to Baldwin and Eccles. Now, Jesse stated that Baldwin had used a knife to cut the boys' faces in the penis area of Christopher Byers. Eccles had used a large stick to hit one of the boys and to strangle one of them. After this attack, the boys' clothes were removed and they were tied up. Jesse then left the scene. He was sure that Christopher was already dead after he arrived home he claimed that he was called by baldwin who apparently said we've done it and what are we going to do if somebody saw us jesse said that he could hear echoes in the background now when asked whether he had been involved in a cult jesse said that he had been for about three months he told police that they usually met in the woods where they engaged in orgies and initial rites, which included killing and eating dogs he stated that at one of these meetings, he saw a photograph that Eccles had taken of the three boys and claimed that Eccles had been watching them. Now, Jesse, uh, when asked to describe what Baldwin and Eccles were wearing at the time of the murders, told police that Jason had been wearing blue jeans, black lace-up boots, and a T-shirt with a s- skull and, some, and the name of the band Metallica on it. And Damien was wearing black pants, boots, and a black T-shirt. Now, during the course of this first statement, Jesse changed the time that the murders occurred from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. and explained that the three boys had skipped school. These times were again changed in another recorded statement taken two hours after the first one had concluded. In that statement, Jesse said that he, Baldwin, and Eccles had arrived at the Robin Hood area between 5 and 6 p.m. But after prompting from one of the interviewing officers, he again changed the time between 7 and 8. So basically the authorities were leading him on to change the time, you know, because they couldn't have killed the boys at 9 a.m. if they were seen at 5.30. Right. You know, so, you know, and I, I listened to some of the interview tapes and it was like, uh, was it was it light or dark? Are you sure it wasn't dark? You know. <laughs> That's
0: very leading. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like, you know, asking that question. It's it's like, yeah, the final time Jesse gave it. The final time he gave was that the teenagers had arrived at six and the victims arrived when it was nearly dark. So in the second statement, Jesse gave further details about the sexual molestation of the boys. He stated that the boys had been held by the head and ears and forced to perform oral sex on Jason and Damien. He named Stephen Branch and Chris Byers as the two victims who were raped. He stated that the boys had been tied with brown rope. A further contradiction in this story was added later when one of the interrogating officers testified that according to his notes, Jesse had claimed that Baldwin had called him the night before the murders and occurred had occurred and said that they planned to go get some boys and hurt them. Now, um, Dan Stidham was able to secure the expert testimonies of Richard, of Doctor Richard Offshee, and Warren Holmes. Dr. Offshi, a Pulitzer Prize-winning social psychologist and an expert on false and coerced confessions, believed after reading the confession, listening to the tape, and interviewing Jesse that Jesse's confession was a coerced, compliant, and false confession. The reasons given for this conclusion were many instances of coaching from the interrogating officers, especially in regard to the times of the events, and Jesse's identification of Chris as the boy who had been emasculated. The near, that nearly three hours of the interview were not recorded. That the interrogating officers had used intimidating methods during the interrogation, and that many areas of Jesse's conface, confession were not supported by any facts. Now, examples of incorrect information in his confession. Jesse stated that the victims and J- Jason Baldwin were not at school when in fact they were proven to have been in attendance that day. Now, Jesse also stated that the victims were bound with rope when, in fact, they were tied with their own shoelaces. Jesse stated that one boy was choked with a stick when the medical examiner's report stated that there's no evidence of any strangulation. Jesse stated that the boys were anally raped when, in fact, the medical examiner found no evidence of that. And Jesse described the murders as having been conducted at the scene where the bodies were found when, in fact, the medical examiner stated that there was no blood at the scene. So they couldn't have been committed there. Now, Dr. Offshe was not permitted to state all of this, all of his opinion during the trial as Judge Burnett had previously ruled that Jesse's confession had been voluntary and Offshe's testimony in this regard would directly contradict the court's ruling. Now, Burnett also stated that such a testimony would give an expert witness the power to determine whether the accused was guilty or innocent, which was solely in the jury's domain. Finally, the jury only heard that Ashi had a lot of experience with coerced confessions, and it was possible for police to obtain a confession from someone who was, in fact, innocent. Anything more specific was not allowed. So, basically, it was just allowed to go to the stand and say, yeah, police can get a coerced confession, and that's it.
0: That's fucked.
1: I know. Isn't that screwed? So Warren Holmes, an expert on, in lie detection testing and interrogation, who has studied and worked in this field for over 30 years, agreed to testify for the defense after he was approached by the attorney. Despite the knowledge that he would not be paid for his services and only his expenses would be reimbursed. Now, at a hearing prior to the trial, Judge Burnett ruled that Warren Holmes could not testify regarding the polygraph exam itself. As polygraph tests results are not admissible evidence. He would only allow Holmes to testify to his experience and qualifications and to give an analysis of the interview techniques used during Jesse's interrogation. So when Holmes analyzed the polygraph test conducted by the police department on Jesse, he found that Jesse's responses to the questions relating to the murders indicated that Jesse was truthful in his answers and in fact did not have any knowledge of them. The West Memphis interrogating officers' statement to Jesse that he had, in fact, lied indicated that they had not conducted or interpreted the results of the test properly. The result of being informed that he was lying would have greatly contributed to Jesse's sense of helplessness in a situation making him more likely to comply with the demand for confession by the authorities.
0: I try to comply. To what? When I'm being beaten (laughs) by elves. That live in my backyard, in my field of fucks that is fallow. I barren
1: so dumb. my lips are dry.
0: <laughs> no, that's impossible.
1: Shut up, girl!
0: You ain't got no lips. I do too. You have a face gash.
1: I have lips, and they are dry.
0: Why well, do you, you keep them in your closet or something? Because they ain't on your face.
1: Anywho, according to Holmes, there are a number of indicators which will validate to the investigators that a suspect's confession is true. One, in a true confession, the suspect will often give the police information about the crime that the police do not already know. Number two, if a confession is true, the suspect gives information that fits with the real evidence. A true confession is usually given in a narrative form, including many incidental details about the situation surrounding the crime, which can be corroborated later. In a true confession, if the investigators make an incorrect supposition about the crime, the suspect will correct them. In a true confession, there's no need to correct the suspects for contradictions in their story. And in a true confession, there's no need for coaching or leaving questions in order to elicit information. Now, Holmes believed that there were many instances in Jesse's confession where these criteria were not met. He was especially concerned that Jesse was wrong about the times and the type of ligatures used. Both of these factors should have meant a great deal to him nor did Jesse mention anything about his feelings at the time of the crimes or afterwards, or talk about the things that were said by himself, the other perpetrators,
0: or the victims. But we've seen this time and time again. Right. We're, we're getting more and more crimes that we're doing that we see repetitive bad behavior from law enforcement. Oh, yeah. Even currently. Like, okay, oh, yeah. let's talk about Dennis Rader. Oh, yeah. We've got that sheriff down there in Oklahoma who is trying oh, his damnedest to pin a crime... On Dennis, that, number one, uh, while that was his fantasy to abduct someone from a laundromat. He wouldn't do it in broad daylight. He wouldn't do it in broad daylight. And he wasn't, you know, uh, he didn't do his, he just wants to close out cases, all this detective oh, yeah. wants to do. You know, and. Well, like they did in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta was the same way. That's let's, yeah. let's pin every murder on Wayne William
1: Williams. Yeah. Every single one of them.
0: Yeah, every single one of them. Even though he was incarcerated at the time, we're going to pin that on him, Well,
1: too. and not, yeah, not only that, but, you know, evidence suggests that there was at least three different people killing, so.
0: Yes. It's just, this right here, even to this day, I, I think it's a less of a problem today, but I think right from the 60s all the way through, I would say the 2000s, um...
1: Yeah, it you know. It, a, yeah, it was it, a major problem back in the '40s before truly, they had Miranda rights. It's truly shape.
0: a fucking epidemic. Yeah, you know, it's it's not the crime epidemic you got to worry about. It's the criminals that are working law enforcement who are. You know what? I can close out all these cases and look awesome. Yeah, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> we
1: could only hope.
0: Oh, I'm dr- I'm over here drinking, so fucking. There you go. What are you drinking? Uh, Jim, uh, honey Jim beans, um, if I can coat my throat a little bit.
1: Damn, it's only 9 a.m.
0: Goddamn right. I'm going to go to the fucking urgent care here in a little bit. In my pajamas.
1: I, I believe you.
0: But um, nobody wants to really address that this is a, an epidemic right. of, of grand proportions within law enforcement. Either they do nothing... Um, uh, a good example of that is the Portland cases that we were working oh, on.
1: They, they're still not doing anything.
0: And they're still not doing shit. All the parents are still doing all the work. Yeah. And then they're, the cops are taking the blame or the, the credit for it. Yeah. Or they go, you know what? We can close out 10 cases mm-hmm. by pinning them on this dude right here yeah. and be done with it. And. I'm all for solving cases and people coming to go into justice, people getting justice, okay. But there's no justice being served if you're just closing out the case and pinning it on somebody who didn't do it. Get the real perpetrator. Right,
1: right. Well, look, they tried to do that with Keith too, with the uh, the Green River murders. Oh yeah, no totally. Yeah, so you know, and Keith is one that's like, you know what? I'll tell you all the ones I did.
0: Yeah, Keith admits to everything that he did, but, but that's because Keith really enjoys the limelight. He does. He, he does. He's an attention whore, man. Yeah. Um, which reminds me, i got to write him because I haven't heard from him. And oh. he wrote to Jen and had mentioned me in his last three letters that he hasn't seen me or heard from me, so i got to write him a letter. There you go. My buddy misses me.
1: Yeah, well. At least you got one friend out there.
0: Hey, Todd's my bud, too, so fuck off.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, let's see here. Uh... He said that Jesse's confession was elicited by a series of highly suggestive questions by the interrogating officers and was not ever given in narrative form. Okay, so it's like he would answer the questions, but he wouldn't like elaborate. Now, the testimony of these two witnesses was the strongest evidence that the defense had to refute the prosecution's case, which was built solely upon the weight of his confession. Without those expert opinion, Jesse's case was severely hampered. Now, When the West Memphis officers arrested Damien and Jason, they took with them warrants to search their homes. From Jason Baldwin's home, police seized a red robe, which belonged to his mother, 15 black T-shirts, and a white T-shirt. From Damien's, they seized two notebooks, which appeared to have satanic or cult writings in them, a red T-shirt, blue jeans, and a pair of boots. After um, divers searched an area of the lake behind Baldwin's house, a knife was recovered. Now, a witness from the state crime lab testified that she found fibers on the victim's clothing, which were microscopically similar to four fibers found in Jason and Damian's homes.
0: I want to interject something. You know, finding a knife in a lake isn't that uncommon. There's been many times I've been fishing,
1: and you've dropped your knife,
0: and I've yeah, my I've no, bloop, and you're, you're like a son of a bitch, and man. you're not
1: going to like reach down and search for it because you might cut yourself.
0: I'm not, and s- then the
1: sharks will get you
0: in a lake. I'm just
1: kidding. Fuck? <laughs> I was kidding. I I was hoping you wouldn't pick up on that.
0: No, I'm not gonna go and get scuba diving gear and go down there and look for, you know, a fucking fifty dollar knife. I'm not True. gonna do it. You know, I look at it and I just feel stupid. <laughs> but people drop shit all the time by accident. Well yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they said they found ten knives <laughs> in a fucking lake. Because, you know, you're sitting there and you're you're fishing and you go, okay, I gotta cut my line right here and you know, so I can tie like a knot. And things slip because you're not paying attention. Maybe you're drinking, you know, too many beers or whatever, like me. Too much gym. There's never, never, never enough gym beam in the world. (laughs) How do you think I put up with Jen Dahl? (laughs) Shit, man. She's a nutbag.
1: Oh, she's adorable.
0: Jen, I love you, honey. Okay, I do. But you are. Fucking netbot.
1: She, she admits that she's crazy. She she,
0: yeah, no, that's I say
1: to her, I say, "That's why I call you crazy." Because facts. <laughs> that's why I want to marry her. I know, right? Because she, she, she she's your ideal woman, <laughs> crazy as a loon,
0: and she's kind of hot. So <laughs> I would do naughty things to her.
1: You're so dumb. So, anyways, a witness from the state crime lab. Oh, anyways, Wait, but hold on.
0: What? You, hold on. Hold on. You jump my shit because you won't let me bang your mom. And then it's even more when I want to bang somebody that's not your mom.
1: I said you're so dumb. I'm going
0: back to banging your mom. That's <laughs> it.
1: I said you're so dumb. I didn't say shut up. I don't want to hear that.
0: No, I'm I'm going back to just slamming your mom.
1: Shut up. I don't want to hear that. Let her
0: ride the baloney pony.
1: Oh, my God. Anyways.
0: Saddle up and ride, baby. Apparently,
1: there were four fibers similar found in Jason Damien's homes or on the victim's clothing. Now, none were found in Jesse's. A red fiber found on Jason's mom's robe was microscopically similar to fibers from James Moore's shirt. A green polyester fiber on James' cap was of a similar structure to those found on a blue cotton polyester shirt belonging to a child relative found in Damien's home.
0: Okay, but now we 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 have to bring people's attention to something else, though. Is that similar? Yes. Okay, if you go to Walmart right now, And you buy a shirt. Okay, let's say I go and I buy a a, a brand new t-shirt. Just a regular white t-shirt, okay? There's a hundred thousand other shirts that came with that lot. That you're gonna
1: find a yes.
0: It's gonna be a similar fiber. Mm -hmm. That similar fiber could come from whoever manufactured the the actual cloth that made the t-shirt. Right. Or from the run itself. But it's going to be similar. That doesn't point the finger. It's similar.
1: Right. Well, and we talked about this in the Wayne Williams case, that just because they're like when it comes to fiber evidence, there's it's hard to prove an exact match. I mean, you know what I mean? Because it's like that could be any carpet or you know what I mean? That's from the same lot or whatever.
0: Right. The only time you, that i found that you get exact matches from what I've read
1: is if it's custom made.
0: Right. Like gunpowder, for example. Like, if you're, if you're loading your own bullets and you're using a special mixture because mm-hmm. you're a competition shooter or whatever. Right. You know, then, yeah, you're going to be able to go, okay, we know that this is the gunpowder that they're using and it's not a common gunpowder that's used with, like, Federal Ammunition or Remington. Right. Anything like that, right? So, you can go, okay, this is something that people use just for lo- for, for self-loading. Right. And so, now we can narrow that down. Because not everybody like I don't load my own ammo. Right. Um but you're talking a similar fiber off of a fucking shirt. Right. I'm pretty sure that these white trailer park trash motherfuckers are going to Walmart. Aren't going to Walmart. I, they're, they're, they're going to Walmart's where they're going to fucking whatever cheap ass place they can to yeah. buy clothes. They're not gonna they're not saying, Hey, I want this this t shirt custom made for All me. Right. They're not doing that. They're just trying to fuck with these kids, it sounds like. you know. Yeah. And like I said before, even if they did do it, fair fucking trial.
1: Exactly. Fair
0: is fucking fair. Yeah. Jesus. Pull your heads out of your asses, people. Fuck me.
1: Until he's been drinking. No.
0: <laughs> I'm not over here all fucking, my throat's fucked up. I feel like shit. So, and now I'm pissed off that these kids aren't at least going to get a fair shake.
1: Right. So then there was... Um Fibers from the same shirt also matched with one cotton and one polyester fiber found on James Blue Pants. Now, the defense counsel had presented their own fiber witness who disputed the similarity of the red fiber. It was shown that these fibers could have been matched to any number of items available for purchase at a local department store. Ta-da! Right? Despite the fact that these fibers showed inconclusive results, they were still presented as evidence to tie Jason and J- Damien to the crime. Now, Jason's clothing was used in Jesse's trial to show that Jason owned clothing, which was described by Jesse during his confession. Now, none of these articles of clothing could be definitively linked to the crime with fiber or blood.
0: But in that, that's another thing. If yeah. you say somebody, well, he had a black shirt and blue jeans on.
1: Yeah, That's your wardrobe.
0: That's my entire wardrobe. Yes. It's mostly black and blue jeans. You know, it's mine. It's fucking, you can look at somebody, a random person in California is going to have that. A yeah. random person in New York, in Georgia, in, in, in North or South Carolina, uh, Louisiana, wherever. They're going to have something similar to that. hmm And probably out of the same lot of material, if they're looking, hey, this is a Hanes shirt. Yeah. You know, it's going to be the same lot of material or a, a similar fiber to it.
1: We, exactly. Fuck, exactly. man. I just... Um. Fucking
0: um, people. Jesus fucking. I got to quit quit drinking.
1: So their sole purpose seemed to be to confirm Jesse's claims and to highlight the boy's preference for wearing black clothes. Supposedly, which was supposedly an indication of satanic tendencies in teenagers back then. Now, Damien's books and writings were used as evidence of his delving into the occult, an important aspect of the prosecution's case in Jason and Damien's trial, as the only motive they could put forward was that the murders were satanic ritual killings, which we've talked about before has been debunked.
0: Very much debunked. Yes. And I was going to say, man, I wear black clothes all the time. Come after me, fuckwads. I know, right? I must be satanic. I must be sacrificing children and molesting
1: them. (laughs) You Yeah, kind of are. No, I'm kidding. This just pisses me off. Yeah, yeah.
0: no. I believe in true justice, okay? Right. If somebody did it, by all means, fuck them out of their life. Fine. That's fine. Right. But do it fairly. Get your evidence, your real evidence. Right. And don't fuck with someone Don't coerce a
1: statement out of a kid who's a little slow to begin with.
0: Yeah, no shit, man. You know? That's fucking, that's like, that's going to somebody who has Down syndrome and fucking coercion them because they're going to want to please you, you know, just with being retarded. Retarded kids want to please. Yes. They really do. They do. You know, and so. And they
1: don't see the gravity of what, you know, the lies
0: they're telling. Right. And now you're dealing with this depressed kid who's trying to kill himself a few times. He has issues. Instead of trying to help with the issue, you're making another fucking issue. Right. You're not law enforcement out there uh, who's, who, who was doing that. You're not law enforcement. You're nothing more than trailer park fucking trash yourself. Go to your goddamn trailer with your wife, Beater. Sit there and put a fucking gun in your mouth. Right. So the I'm ni- just, I'm, I'm I know, just I can steaming. tell. I can tell. Because I think about shit like that happening to like my kids. Yeah. You know, uh, you know Jake's not a teenager anymore. He's my youngest. Um, but still, you know, if you're sitting there beating a confession out of him, He's gonna tell you what you wanna hear.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You know?
0: And I think about that shit. Because I always try to put myself in their place. As far as, you know, like what would I do if it was my kids? And I bitch about Jake. I know that. Yeah. However, as much as I make fun of my son, he's just like me. I happen to really love my children. Right. A lot. I just kinda wish they'd love me a little less, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little fucking stalkers, <laughs> but apparently I'm a good father or something. I don't know. I think I'm a shit dad, but uh, but yeah, I I can't imagine my child going through that shit.
1: Right. It, well, I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, because I mean, I told you before that there was a time when my brother and his friends wore black long black trench coats all around town. And everything, and some other kids were wearing, I mean, like, were committing petty crimes, and my brother and his friend happened to be walking down the road, and a police officer stopped them and accused them of committing the crime because, you know what, they were wearing a black trench coat. You know, so they must have done it, type thing.
0: Well, I'll tell you, if, if Jacob's was in that situation and he actually did do it, oh, yeah. I am the first one that will fucking take him to the gallows. Yeah. Because my kids know that. My kids know if you do the crime, I'm not going to have your back. I'm the first one right. that thinks that you should be disciplined for what you did. Right. However, with that said, if he didn't do it, mm-hmm. my kids, they, my kids know I'm the forefront. I will be standing right in front of everybody going, before you can get to my kid, right. you got to get to me. And I don't care if you're Johnny Law, the FBI, CIA, it doesn't fucking matter to me. Right. I have no value on their lives. I value my kids.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And these fucktards are fucking with a kid that has a legit problem. It sounds like he's a retard.
1: Well, he, th- there is evidence. I mean, there was evidence to prove, in, a, in the if you watch the documentary, that shows that he had a lower than average intelligence level.
0: Yeah, so now so, you're, you're basically beating a confession out of somebody who's retarded.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're telling him that, you know, just tell us what happened. We'll let you go.
0: Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah.
1: So the knife found in the lake behind Jason Baldwin's parents' home in November of 93 had a serrated edge. Now, Dr. Frank Paredi testified that some of the wound patterns on the three victims were consistent with and may have been caused by a serrated edge knife. Now, this... Testimony becomes questionable when new evidence available after the trials is considered. So apart from testimony of Damien's ex-girlfriend, Deanna Holcomb, that Damien had once owned a knife similar to the one found in the lake, except for it had a compass on the handle, there was no substantive evidence That proved either Damien or Jason had owned the knife. Damien admitted that he had once owned a knife similar to the one submitted as evidence, but his had a compass attached and was of a different color. He claimed that he had sold his knife while he lived in Oregon in 92, which agreed with the time frame given by Holcomb. Now, on the night of Damien's arrest, a necklace he was wearing was taken in as evidence and sent away for testing as there appeared to be blood spots on it. The results of those tests were not available when other evidence had been presented at the trial, so the prosecution asked for continuance in order to to obtain the results. Now, the continuance is granted, and the court reconvened two days later. The minute quantities of genetic material present for testing meant that only the blood types present could be determined. It was found that one spot was consistent with the blood type of Damien, And the second spot was consistent with the blood type shared by both Jason Baldwin and Stephen Branch. But that's also consistent with 11% of the world's population. So because there was evidence to show that both Jason and Damien were known to wear this necklace on occasion, uh, Judge Burnett offered the state the opportunity to reopen the case presenting the new evidence. If they would agree to a severance for Jason Baldwin from the state's case against Damien Eccles, as it was no longer legally acceptable for the defendants to be tried together. The reason for this was that the evidence could now be used by either party to implicate the other in what is called an antagonistic defense. The state chose not to present the evidence and proceeded to its closing arguments. This was probably because this new evidence was very weak and a case against Jason standing on its own merits would be very risky. Now, with almost no evidence to link Jason, Damien, and Jesse to the murder scene or the victims, apart from Jesse's questionable confession, police continued to interrogate any acquaintances of the three teenagers they could find. Of all the people interviewed, none could testify to having seen Damien, Jason, and Jesse together at any time in the past. This hole was soon filled by Jerry Driver, who testified under oath that he had seen Damien, Jason, and Jesse walking together wearing long black robes and carrying staffs.
0: Wait a minute. Did you just say that Driver filled their hole?
1: Jerry Driver filled the hole in there. Shut up.
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I didn't get that until just now, but whatever.
0: So go oh. on with your whole fill. OK.
1: So during Took the trial, a Turn
0: for the fucking porno.
1: <laughs> during the trial, this may have been convincing testimony for the jury, but in light of Driver's own admission that he had often interrogated Damien for unsolved crimes in the area over the previous 12 months, its credibility is highly questionable. The fact that Driver faced embezzlement charges in 1997 and resigned from the probation officer further diminished his credibility.
0: What a credible stand-up guy! Yeah, dude, go fuck yourself!
1: Yeah, to place Damien and Jason at the scene of the crime, police were able to find three witnesses: Narlene, Narlene mm-hmm.
0: Hollingsworth. That no, think you didn't make a mistake. That's her, really. That's Garni- her name, Narlene.
1: Yeah, because I had to make sure that it wasn't an M. Because I was like, wait,
0: oh my god, that's yeah. fucking awesome. Narlene Hollingsworth. My name's Narlene. I'm my <laughs> own grandma. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's fucking awesome.
1: Her, her son, and her son, Anthony, who was a convicted sex offender, testified during Damien and Jason's trial that Narlene had been driving them to a friend's house on the night of May 5th and had seen Damien and his girlfriend, Damini, tears, walking near the Blue Beacon truck stop. Gnarlene, a- <laughs>
0: Gnarlene, Gnarlene, please don't take him just because you can <laughs> That chick definitely lives in a fucking trailer park, okay? I will guarantee you, I would bet hard-earned money that she lives in a fucking trailer park. You
1: would lay odds in Vegas on that one? Oh, shit, yeah. With,
0: like, the siding falling off and a fucking deck made out of fucking pallets and and sitting there and yelling about, well, my food stamps don't get renewed until the first month. Woo! You ain't heard it from me because I ain't one to gossip. But I tell you what... My name's Narlene, and I tell you, <laughs> Bubba Joe Eckert, Billy Ray, freaking sister fucker next door, he got, he's gonna get himself a new truck. Well, used. It's a nineteen sixty four, but new to him. <laughs> That's what that fuck Narlene. I love that. I fuck. I'm I'm naming my next dog Narlene.
1: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm sure this woman's gonna be glad to know you're gonna name a dog after
0: her. I'm gonna name a dog after your white trash ass. <laughs> <laughs> Gnarly I know but, but think about it If I have the dog at the dog park And, I, and I yell Gnarly It's the only Gnarly That's going to be there Then <laughs> she'll come bounding And like, That's me
1: <laughs> Make sure it's a basset Oh it has to Or a bloodhound Oh yes Yes A big yeah, old ears yeah, Big old
0: fucking bloodhound That yeah. way there Looks really hillbilly <laughs> I'm going to put a wife beater on it <laughs> I'm going to put a wife beater on it That, that says um, you know, she ain't just my sister. She's my wife.
1: <laughs> don't make me pee. Um, don't any- pee, Darlene. <laughs>
0: Gnarling. 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 no Please don't pee in your chair if you can. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. these two con- <laughs> testified.
1: Um, Testify, sister. That they were the Darlene was driving her son to a friend's house on the night of May fifth and saw Damien and his girlfriend walking near the Blue Beacon Truck Stop at around nine thirty. Now Damien had been wearing a dark colored shirt and his clothes were dirty. Damien had been wearing a pair of black pants with white floral applique patches.
0: Well, with Dar- the way that hold on, with the way that they think his clothes were dirty, that makes him guilty. I know because his clothes were dirty. I know the West Memphis cops at this point here, and maybe they've gotten better over the years. Right now. For the 80s or 90s fucking West Memphis cops, you guys are fucking idiots. Yeah,
1: the early 90s. Fucking morons. Now, according to Narlene's daughter, Tabitha. <laughs> really. She had the exact same story her mother did, which kind of sounds rehearsed to me, but
0: whatever. I was with Billy Ray, and I was trying to earn a few extra bucks because, you know, that's what you got to do sometimes. You got to suck a little dick. Stop And, that. uh. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> But it's okay. Billy raised my cousin. So, you know, the family that lays together stays together. Oh, my God, you're so horrible. He lives in the trailer right next to ours. It was love at first. You know, something just
1: dawned on me a little off subject here. Is you buy your dog like amazing dog food, but you buy your cat friskies?
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> Poor Dini. No, no, th- th- there's a reason. Hold on, hold on one second. I got to get my assistant over here. Beer tender. I need Jim Beam, up to right here. Yep, that's what I need right next to my, my mouth. I'm going to the urgent care in a little bit. I'll Anyways, we go there drunk. There's a reason because Deanie does well on the Friskies. Okay, <coughs> but Angel needs the Blue Buffalo because of the protein content, right? Right, the oils right. and everything like that. Because you remember when we first got her, right? Oh, she was yeah. All fucked up, like big patches missing, and she still stinks because that's the bloodhound in her. Uh, yeah. I found a bloodhounds, um, they... It's a coon hound. It is. It's just part of that oh. that hound breed. But they um, they create an oil. Oh. And they excrete an oil that is kind of bad smelling. Yeah. That's why she needs a lot of maintenance. But have you noticed that her coat looks amazing? Yeah, it is shiny. And that she has more energy? She, she could barely put her paw on somebody's lap Oh, yeah. Before. And now when I come home, she rockets and jumps into my lap and got lots of energy? That's because uh, it's better food and better care for her. Right. So, Deanie can handle the, the friskies, which is great. But um, I don't dare put her on something cheap and that's not filling. Right. For for Angel, because she needs special care. She's an older dog, and she needs all that love and attention and care. Like last night, and I'm going to probably, po- po- I'll post the pictures in, in Citizen's. Um, her and I watched a movie together called The Last Thanksgiving, which was a B rated terrible movie. Terrible. I don't recommend it to anybody. Um, but uh, <laughs> her and I were cuddling up together because she's very, very happy now. Cause I know. She's not a bait dog for dog fights anymore.
1: I know. You sent me pictures. I can't believe I actually saw your ass on the couch.
0: Yeah, I, I, I never watch TV. You're never sitting on the couch. You never sit on the couch. Yeah, I never watch TV either. No. You know, but last night was a special night. It was just her and I, and we sat back and we watched uh, we watched a movie together.
1: Aww. And she was all, and
0: she flopped at one point, and I couldn't get to my phone to get a picture. She turned around, flopped on her back, sat so way there. She was laying like I was, with her belly up. Oh yeah. And we watched movie, and I ordered killer burger and shared my fries with her.
1: Aww, yeah. oh, I love killer burger. We don't say that. I'm, uh, now I'm going to crave killer burger. They
0: have a new burger. What, what is it? The Motley Q, which is a barbecue burger. Oh, that's fucking it's, it's good. It's oh. fucking it's good.
1: So there had been apparently there were seven people in the Hollingsworth car, which what kind of car was it that night? But only four were able to testify to having seen Damien and Dominic Domini. Now, Ricky Hollingsworth, Darlene's husband, stated that he had been unable to determine who the figures were. It was dark at the time of the sighting, which was very brief, yet the witnesses claimed that they were able not only to identify the people, but determined that that an already dark colored shirt was dirty.
0: It was a dark and stormy night, but yeah, he must be guilty because his yeah. fucking clothes are dirty. Shut the fuck wait, wait, up. it was
1: dark outside. How can you tell if a dark shirt's
0: dirty? I was going to say, man, I, even in the daytime, when I get yes. dirty, I can't tell if my black shirt's dirty. Yeah, unless, unless you got
1: I, white powder all over
0: yeah, it. Yeah, unless I'm like looking and I got a mustard stain or some mm-hmm. shit, then go, yeah, that's fucking dirty. Come on. Quit coercing people to give you the answers you want, you dumb fucks. Right. I'm gonna drink some more so and get more aggressive. Okay.
1: So the prosecution itself questioned how accurate this sighting was when they attempted to imply that the witnesses had been mistaken in their identification of Demini. The prosecution is tempted to suggest that the second person they saw was really Jason Baldwin wearing a pair of gray jeans with holes in the knees, which Jason owned. Anthony, during his testimony, contradicted his mother's story by placing the sighting an hour later than nine thirty. Than the nine thirty times stated by his mother. Now, further strengthening their case, at least in the minds of the jurors, the prosecution's presented the court with three more witnesses who claimed to have heard Damien and Jason verbally admit to their guilt of the murders. The first two witnesses claimed to have overheard Damien say, "I killed the three little boys, and before I turn myself in, I'm going to kill two more, and I already have one of them picked out." These remarks were apparently overheard at a softball game. They claimed that they had overheard Damien make these comments to a group of friends. During cross-examination by defense counsel, the credibility of this testimony was questioned. It was revealed that the girls had been unable to hear anything else that was said at the time, nor were they able to identify any of the people who had been with Damien at the time of the of this statement. It was also shown that one of the dates they had given that they had seen Damien at the games was after he had been arrested. So the particular game at which the girls claimed to have overheard Damien's confession was held in early May, yet they did not come forward to police until after they had seen a report of Damien's arrest. Now, the third witness, Michael Carson, testified that Jason Baldwin had admitted to him that he had murdered the boys. Carson told the court that he had talked to Jason during a short period of time that he had attended the detention center at which Jason was being held. Now, Carson testified that he said, just between me and you, did you do it? I won't say a word. He said yes, and he went into detail about it. It was just me and Jason. He told me he dismembered the kids, or I don't know exactly how many kids. He just said he dismembered them. He sucked the blood from the penis and scrotum and put the balls in his mouth. That's disgusting. So Judge Burnett ruled that the defense could not tell the jury that Michael Carson was a medically diagnosed LSD addict because substance abuse was not sufficient grounds to argue the probativeness of a witness's truthfulness. He also ruled... As inadmissible, a communication from Danny Williams sent to both the prosecuting and defense attorneys. Williams was a counselor at the same detention center as Jason and Michael. He admitted that he had discussed the case with Michael Carson. The reason Williams had contacted the attorneys was that he believed Carson would be perjuring himself if he testified in court that he had heard the details of the crimes from Jason, when in fact he had heard them from Williams.
0: He probably would be. It sounds like a bunch of lying motherfuckers Mm -hmm. for the the, the prosecution. I'm sorry, but... All of this is jacked the fuck up is what the fuck this is. Right.
1: Exactly.
0: Aren't you don't you love it when I drink a little bit trying to solve yeah, my sore no. throat problems? And I get all boisterous and cussy and and things like that. And another thing, I want to smack Jen doll's ass.
1: Anyways Burnett ruled that to allow the jury to hear this information would be a violation of Carson's right to patient counselor confidentiality. It had never been proven that Carson and Jason had ever come into contact with each other while in the detention center. Now, in order to prove premeditation and motive for Jason and Damien's trial, the state called on the testimony of Dr. Dale Griffiths, G-R-I-F-S-F-F-I-S. Now he—that ain't a real name. I know. That's not a
0: real person.
1: Griffiths had re- received his doctorate from Columbia Pacific University in 1984. That's in New York. I know. After studying by correspondence for four years, since that time he had proclaimed himself a cult cop and gave lectures and seminars on the dangers of adolescent involvement in satanic activities. All
0: right, fuck this guy already, and let me tell you why. Because all of them are going to revol- revolve back to if your child's listening to the heavy metal music, yeah then obviously they worship Satan. So you know what? This guy can go fuck himself.
1: Okay. Now, okay. it is difficult to determine his qualification for the term, quote, expert, as according to the FBI, there's very little evidence to substantiate stories about satanic ritual murders in the U.S., it seems that Judge Burnett, while questioning the validity of the discipline of social psychology as studied by Dr. Offshie, did not have any problems with the rather dubious credentials of Dr. Griffiths and allowed his testimony to be admitted. Now, the basis of Dr. Griffiths' testimony was that the crime seemed Quote bore the traffics of occultism, and in his opinion, the most salient points in this crime, which suggested to him that the murders were satanic in nature. Now,
0: okay, hold on, I got there twelve.
1: There's twelve, po- no, eleven points that he made that point to this. But go ahead.
0: Occult is different than satanic, right? Okay, occult is a cult, satanic, satanic. But if you read the Satanic Bible, it actually says, and what Satanists actually believe is, don't harm other people. Right, don't you know you don't you don't harm kids you don't lust kids. It has a, a whole has section after section with that, but yet this asshole here is going to go. I'm an expert, buddy. I you hope know, you're uh, hearing you're this an, too. You're you're, you're, you're you're an expert f- through correspondence. You're not an expert on jack shit. I'm pretty sure you're not even an expert on yourself. Sit the fuck down. Let the adults take care of this right. shit
1: now. Now, keep in mind that the murders occurred on May 5th and 6th, okay? May 5th or 6th, okay?
0: You know that's when my son was born, right? Yes. Yeah. 2003. I know. May 6th, 2003. I know. When I got my ba- my beautiful, bouncing baby boy.
1: Yes. And for one proud moment.
0: <laughs> I was. I actually loved his mother. I was going to say, one you second. loved
1: his mother. <laughs> yeah for one problem. Because her
0: relationship and mine weren't, wasn't yeah, based on love. Exactly. You
1: know? it, it wasn't.
0: But I saw my beautiful baby boy and I still look at those pictures by the way. I'm feeling all sentimental now. Uh, but, because Jake tries to take great care of me. I've been sick but he has tried to take such good care of me. Oh, Because he's my boy. Like, don't get me wrong, man. You've seen him and I lock horns.
1: Dude, I have seen you guys almost come to blows.
0: But, at the end of the day, and this is something for all you parents out there, at the end of the day, love your kids, man. Because, well, Jake and I have locked horns a few times. Because
1: you're so much alike. Yeah,
0: I mean, That's that's it right there, yeah. you know. There's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for my kids. And there's nothing in the world that he wouldn't do for me.
1: I know. I know. So anyways, these are the 11 points he made. Okay? Point number one. That these murders were carried out on a date close to a pagan holiday and on a full moon. What pagan holiday is where I'm based? Fifth and sixth. There
0: is none.
1: I was going to say, I don't not that I know any I, of I them. I mean,
0: maybe spring solstice, but I think that happens in fucking
1: April. Yeah. So the young children were often sought for, and young children were, number two is, young children were often sought for sacrifice because they provided, quote, a better life force.
0: No, they do not. <laughs> no, that's that, that's They suck
1: the life right out of you.
0: If you look at any religion, historically... Adult virgins or near-adult virgins did for, like, Aztecs, Mayans. Um, right,
1: or adult warriors.
0: Yeah, or warriors. Children have never really come into play.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Uh, I- I'm sure that there are one or two small religions out there that have done it. Right. But the majority, that's a that's a fucking no. Even Aleister Crowley, who wrote the Satanic Bible... Didn't have children getting sacrificed in it, to All my right. knowledge. And I've read the Satanic Bible. I just can't remember anything about kids being killed in there.
1: Yeah. Now I'm not a
0: Satanist, by the way. So don't 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 send me your bullshit mail over that. I got.
1: He's not. Why do
0: I always have to put that shit in there? Because why? I'll tell you why. Because we have a ton of fans that are fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> I know I'm an asshole, and no, uh, and here's what I mean by that. I say something like, "Hey, this was in the Satanic Bible." Oh my God, you worship Satan? I don't worship Satan.
1: Yeah, he doesn't worship anything.
0: Yeah, I I, so, I worship music. That's so. That's it
1: the third point is the number of victims reflected the significance of the number three in occultism. Now the fourth point, the age of the victims reflected the significance of the number eight as a witch's number. Is it? No, I was going to say. But here's
0: the thing: you want me? To, you want me to blow your you, your mind? What? They're doing numerology, which is a witch's thing which is a cult in their own fucking eyes, but they're doing numerology. So I guess it's okay if you're a Southern Baptist or a Pentecostal or whatever. Uh,
1: yeah, or you have a degree, correspondence degree expert.
0: And you can do numerology to, to, justify, around, your, to yeah. justify that witches in the occult are using numerology. What a fucking joke. Dude, sit your fucking fat ass down. Sit down and shut the fuck up. number
1: five, sacrifices were often performed near water for a baptism-type ritual or just to wash the blood away. Number six, the manner in which the victims were tied was significant as being tied ankle to wrist exposed the genitalia. Now, number seven, the removal of Christopher Byer's testicles was significant, significant as they are removed in satanic rituals for the semen.
0: No, no, they're not.
1: (laughs) Now, number eight, the absence of blood at the scene was significant because cult members often store blood for future services, at which time they would drink or bathe in it. Now, number nine, the overkill quote or multiple cuts could reflect occult overtones. Number 10, the significance of most of the injuries being on the left side of the victims' bodies was that people who, pr- who practice occultism use the midline theory. The right side is related to those things synonymous with Christianity, while the left side is that of Satanism. I've never heard that. mean, That's and a number, far
0: fucking stretch.
1: Yeah. And number 11, the cleared area on the bank could be consistent with a ceremony. Now, during cr- cross-examination, Dr. Griffiths admitted that he had been asked by the state to testify to conditions opposite to the conditions described in what no, still be related up, as to satanic activity.
0: That's, it's, it, once again, I hear, I'm hearing a lot of could be, might be, possibly. Yes. A cleared-off area. Dude, I have cleared-off areas to fish. Yep. Because I want to put my fat ass in my fucking chair. And put my tackle box down and my cooler full of beer. Yeah. You know, it's just everything is could, maybe, that, that, that. It's plausible deniability, is what it is. This guy doesn't sound like he knows shit about shit.
1: Well, check this out. Um, During the cross-examination, this guy also conceded that his original testimony had not included the blood traits, that he just included them after he heard that morning that Michael Carson would be testifying that Jason Baldwin confessed to him to sucking the blood from Christopher Byers' genitals. Now, it would be interesting to know... I've tried
0: that with a few women, I'm just saying.
1: Anyways, it would be interesting to know what scientific and empirical data Dr. (laughs) Griffiths based his opinions on, as much of his information is incorrect. According to the Ontario Conference on Religious Tolerance, apparently there is is a neo-pagan festival held on the 1st of May, but it is only celebrated on that day, not four days later, and Satanists do not hold rituals on a full or new moon. No evidence has been found that any children have been ritually murdered in the past century in the United States by the followers of any religion bingo the number of the number three has no particular significance in any pagan religion, nor does eight yeah. Christianity places more significance on this number because of its belief in the triune God. The number 8 has no significance in the Wiccan or any other pagan religions. Baptism is a Christian ritual which is not shared by any pagans and certainly not Satanists. The statement regarding the collection of semen from the testicles reveals a lack of biological knowledge as semen is not stored in the testes and is not produced at all until adolescence the idea that Satanists drink blood has been claimed since the 16th century, although never verified, it would be expected that in the case of a satanic ritual, there would be evidence of other ritual tools, such as an altar, a circle on the ground, or candle wax. Now, Dr. Griffith's testimony, although highly questionable, was a a repetition of the many myths and fears surrounding witchcraft and Satanism, which were widely known by the West Memphis community already. Now, Dr. Dr. Griffith's words would have spoken deeply to the superstitions and fears of the jury, and any attempt to refute them would probably have fallen on deaf ears. Now, in Jesse's trial, there was very little emphasis placed on the supposedly satanic nature of the murders. To show premeditation the testimony of Melissa Byers, Christopher's mother, that Christopher had told her six weeks before his death that a man wearing black clothing had taken his photograph. This testimony had been given after it had been widely known that Damien was a suspect, and was not substantiated by any other evidence. Nor was there any proof that Damien was in fact the man in black. No, that's Will Smith. Anyways, despite the West Memphis. Tommy
0: Lee Jones too, oh, man. Yeah. Don't fuck, don't don't leave out Tommy Lee, man.
1: I love Tommy Lee in those movies. Now, despite actor. the West Memphis focus on Damien as our prime suspect, there were other possibilities which were not thoroughly investigated. A situation which could easily lead to the assumption. How are we doing on time?
0: Yeah, nine minutes. Boogie okay. on, sister. Boogie no, because I'm almost done with this part. Bald
1: lives matter. Oh, my God. So despite... Okay, the so possibilities were are not thoroughly investigate, investigate a situation which could easily lead to the assumption that the police chose to ignore any evidence which directed the investigation away from Damien. That's, that's exactly what it yeah. is,
0: especially when you're allowing some quote-unquote expert to go, Oh, the number three and the number eight and baptism. Nothing he said has to do with witchcraft. Yeah. Satanism, any other fucking yeah. practice. I mean, seriously, and this isn't me just spouting shit. It sounds like he could literally say, "Well, if you like people who have red hair, oh yeah, then you're obviously a Satanist, and that's how I know that they did it. If you drive a blue car, right, then obviously you're a Satanist." He's he's pulling shit out of the air. Yeah, this guy's not an expert of a fucking thing of a fucking goddamn thing Like I said whether they did it or didn't I want a fair fucking trial Exactly fair, fucking fair
1: Now check this out on the Night of the murders, at approximately 8.42 p.m., the police received a call from Marty King, the manager of the Mr. Bojangles restaurant near Robin Hood Hills.
0: I love that song.
1: Now, he reported that a black man, quote, dazed and covered with blood and mud, had been in the women's restroom for about an, office, an hour. Officer Reagan Meek followed up the call by driving up to the drive-thru window. Now, she testified later that she didn't go inside as the restaurant was out of her ward. She also agreed that it had been near to the area where the boys were last seen. After the boys were found, police followed up on this report and took blood samples from the toilets. Oh, my God. These samples, however, were mysteriously lost and no results have been known. This incident became much more significant when laboratory reports showed that two human hairs were found on the victim's clothing, one of which was, and this is the legal term, negroid in origin. Now, in November 1993, John Mark Byers was interrogated by the police officer, officers after he had, be, he had given a knife to a member of a film crew who were making a documentary about the case. During questioning by the police, John admitted that he had given the knife away. He also stated that his wife, Melissa, had given it to him for Christmas two or three years previously, and he had never used it. He kept it in the top drawer of a dresser in his bedroom where he was sure that neither of the boys could have gained access to it. When asked whether anyone might have cut themselves with the knife, he stated that he was certain no one had. That story changed when the interviewing officer told him that blood had been found on the knife. Byers then recalled that he had used a knife to cut up some deer meat at home, and when he was told that the blood found on the knife had matched Christ- Christopher's blood type, he continued to assert that he had no idea. Okay, I'm almost done. How Christopher's blood had come to be there. Later, after test results on Melissa, Ryan, and John were concluded, it was found that the blood stains matched in blood type with both John and Christopher Byers. No further testing was carried out, which could have determined more conclusively whether it was Christopher or John's blood. Another item of evidence, which could have linked Mark to the murders, or John to the murders, at least. As much as any evidence brought against Damien, Jason and Jesse was the presence of another human hair on the victim's clothing. It was a black Caucasian hair, which was shown to be microscopically similar to both John and Damien Eccles. Unfortunately, nothing more specific was determined. Now, during this interrogation, the interviewing officer asked Byers what medication he was on, to which he answered Xanax and Zorinol, which he stated were antidepressants. When he was asked whether he had any other medications, he told police no, yet he had stated at other times that he was taking Tegretol, which is the brand name of the drug carbamazepine. This is the same substance which was found in non-therapeutic amounts in Christopher's blood after his death. Christopher had also been taking Tegretol according to his medical records, but Byers had stated that Chris had not taken his medication on the day that he went missing. So whether he took it that day or not, it'd still show up in the system.
0: It would, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of uh, antidepressants and things yeah. are are called cumulative. Right. So like, I'm on Wellbutrin, and the Wellbutrin really didn't start helping until it had accumulated in my body over the course of five days plus. Right. And now, like, if I don't take it and the the level that's in my blood gets low, I can take one or two and get it back up. But if I quit taking it for seven days.
1: Yeah, you have to build it back up again. Then you got
0: to build it back yeah, up. Yeah, that's and the
1: same with my lamotrigine, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's it's with most. And, and Prozac works the same way. They're they're, they're, right. they're cumulative drugs. And not just antidepressants, though. There's other, like, Singular. I take Singular at night, and that's cumulative. Right. And if you take one right now, it's not going to work if you don't have it in your system.
1: However, right. if you take it
0: over the course of a week, it's built up enough to where now it's starting to work.
1: Right, because I know my Lamictal, that if I don't take it for a week, I have to start over from the low dose and build myself back up again. Okay, I only have two paragraphs
0: left. No, Here you don't have to even say, okay, just, just <laughs> ra- here's a new rule. Whenever you see my hand go up, just raise your hands so I know what you've seen, okay? Okay. Because nobody needs to know I'm giving you fucking time cues. You're always just
1: like, ah. yeah, You know what, it's nobody's that goddamn rushing that. me. I feel rushed. So, although there Hurry were up. many, I know, although there were many items of evidence that could have pointed to John Byers as the murderer of the three boys, he was never considered by police as a suspect, nor was he ever thoroughly investigated. But we're
0: still hearing similar, yes, almost, yes, could have been, exactly. There's nothing that says definitively, and yet these kids are getting the raw end of the deal, and these really are children. Right. They're fucking teenagers. Exactly. So it is interesting
1: to note also that John Mark Byers was on very friendly terms with the investigating officers. And he was an informant, a drug informant for the police at the time of the murders. Uh, There you go. Could bias in favor of Byers and against Eccles on the part of the investigating police have blinded them to any evidence which might have led the investigation away from Damien and towards John Byers? I believe so.
0: I think so, and we've we've also seen that a million times since we've been doing this show, right? Where it's kind of like, ooh, we can't really. This guy's worth too much as far as the information he's giving, as opposed to saying, hey, we think this motherfucker did. It.
1: Oh my gosh, and he was he was horrible in the first documentary, you know that led up to the trial. It was hor- he was just like vicious. This John guy. Finally, the tennis shoe imprint, which was found on the creek bank near the bodies, did not match any footwear owned by Damien, Jesse, or Jason. This fact would again suggest that the authorities should have been concentrating their investigations in another direction. Okay? So that's the end of part two.
0: All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook and join citizens of brutal nation. Interact with us; we have a good time. A big shout out to my one of my favorite people that posts, which is Gino Wright.
1: Oh, I know you're
0: amazing. You post. Okay, I, I'm, you, I dude, need to you tell him
1: something real quick, though, Gino Wright. I don't care what you post on Facebook. Just because it's on Facebook doesn't make
0: it true. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. That's a fucking. Chris- don't fuck with Gino. Gino, come on. Come over here to to Washington. we got to kick her ass. (laughs) That's a Christmas movie. Tell
1: you, it is not a Christmas movie.
0: This show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast except for Metal Cross Radio, they're lying thieving bastards. And we will talk to you gorgeous motherfuckers later on. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.